It is the Everything is Marketing podcast. My name is Eric Halkren. Today at the Hub in Farmington for uh, Matt Target, the second one of the day. He is talking about micro moments, search, how your social affects where you're found on the web, and all of that happens right now on the podcast. Marketers ruin everything. Welcome to the Everything is Marketing podcast. What I don't want to do is to pretend this is show number one. What would the hero of your life's movie do right now? Do that. Do those things. Let's get started with this. So, I uh, I come from Australia, <clears throat> a place called Melbourne, Australia, and my grandmother, she's an immigrant from Croatia, and she's very cute. She's the only person in the world that calls me Matthew. And uh, <laughs> back in the day, she used to ask me, Maddie, can you bring the internet with you to my house?" Right? I was like. All right, yeah, I can do that. And just take my phone and you know, go through Google and help her find things that are nearby and whatnot. And I thought that's a pretty cool thing, that I can take the internet with me, right? Um, so back in the day, obviously, as a printing press, there's a finite amount of resources, how much you can, uh, you can print. And then I asked the question, like, how much paper would it take to actually print the internet and bring the internet with me? And the answer is 16 million trees because there's 136 billion paper, standard pieces of paper, which is quite a lot. So I think it's important to know um, what Google's, uh, what, what our mission is, excuse me, and that's to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. And it's very broad, and it hasn't changed for a long time. And when I say a long time, Google's actually quite a young company. If it was a person, it'd be a teenager, still be in high school, right? So something that's quite ubiquitous is also quite young. So what I want to show is a video of what people search for, and we can get started after that. So that last line that no one's imagined yet is something we're trying to make sense of within Google because uh, we find that every year amongst the trillions of searches that 15% of them are unique, right? So we have to find out after the fact why they're unique and, uh, and why people have never seen them before. And part of the reason is that people are searching from their phones and they're searching differently than they had in the past. Um, so there's a whole bunch of... There's a whole bunch of learnings that we've set out to, to figure out, and that's what I want to share with you. And after that, we'll talk about some of Google's products, our partnership, and uh, answer questions anytime. So if you do want to interrupt me, as I said, raise your hand. So mobile searches are now exceeding desktop in 10 countries. Must be more than that by now. Um, a lot of people are searching from your phones. I see some people doing it now. Uh, I'm not the Matt Target that played football. I'm Matt Target, the Olympic swimmer that's been outdone in the search rankings recently. So yeah, I want to talk about mobile for a second. I'll, I'll tell, tell you a little bit about my journey and the actual mobile phone. So who <laughs> remembers this from 87? <laughs> Literally bigger than a brick, this thing. And it was a Motorola Dynatac. It was $3,995 back in the day. So how things have really changed. Talking about Moore's Law. And uh, this is how I remember it, actually. Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. So my first cell phone was this one. It's a Nokia 5110. Anybody have this phone? So what do you remember from this phone? So, oh, yeah. The answer is usually Snake, right? You remember it had that one game and everybody played the same thing with all those pixels? I spent way too much time. I was at school like this underneath the... Nothing changes. But what I also remember is you pressed... 833-998-063377777777243, that would spell out text message, right? <laughs> How things have changed. These days you can swipe or, or even talk to your phone. So 
Anyhow, this was my first phone. And uh, this is still a bit before here. This is 2005. Anyone recognize this image in 2005? Yes? Absolutely, a Pope Benedict in 2005. I can see a flip phone here. Don't know. There's maybe four or five in this whole image. And then you fast forward to Francis in 2013. Have a look at that, right? So, in essence, we're saying that people have their phones on them all the time. People freak out. There's some crazy stats about how many people bring the phone to the bathroom, use it in the bathroom. It's the first thing they touch in the morning. And there's a real thing called nomophobia. It's a fear of being without your cell phone or, so, or service. And uh, so the stat from Morgan Stanley is that 91% of people have their phone with them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And there's hotels that'll lock up your phone for a, for a fee and it's, it's crazy. But... I'm trying to say is people don't go online, we now live online. There was a point in time where you would go at home and you'd dial into the internet with that awful sound that I won't try and <laughs> imitate right now, and you would sit there and you have a session, and this session doesn't really exist anymore, that people are always figuring out their phones in little moments, right? Um, the Kleiner Perkins Caulfield um, study said that we check our phones 150 times a day. I'm more like 500, but I guess this is an average. And uh, part of these, we call them moments, right? And not all of them are relevant. It's a text message, it's, it's communicating. But there are also some moments that are, that are highly relevant to businesses and SMBs. And at Google, we call them uh, micro moments. And I'm going to show you a little bit about exactly what I mean and the difference between the two right here. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> in essence, the, the four moments are broken up into I want to know moments, I want to go moments, I want to do, and I want to buy moments. And, and each of them are very important to, to realize that people act uh, with their phones, they act differently to different moments, and I just want to take you through them really briefly. So from the start, I want to know moments. Two-thirds of people are looking up more than they did a year ago, 65%. And, and sometimes I want to know turns into... I want to go. And I want to go will be a lot. This is actually my favorite stat from the whole thing. Since 2011, the searches for near me, this is not up here, searches for near me have increased 34x, right? There's someone looking for, like last night, so it was a steakhouse near me. I found one across the road at Chop House, right? That I, it's very, very powerful to know that Back in you know, 2011, a search query didn't include near me at the end. So being able to use phone's location and GPS is a very powerful thing. If you're not ready to capture that, you're missing a lot of opportunities. Um, so 82% of people uh, turn to a search engine to look for a, a local business, which is a lot. Uh, I want to do moments. This is largely about YouTube. Uh, a huge increase of how-to videos. I think there's a stat around millennials, and I'm going to butcher it, so I'll give you a ballpark, but I think it's around 70% of millennials think they can learn anything from YouTube, <laughs> right? I don't need to go to college. I got YouTube. I'm fine, right? <laughs> and truth be told, when I was interviewing at Google, I, I spent countless hours on YouTube, like countless, countless hours on YouTube watching Hal Varian, the chief economist, videos about AdWords. There's so much to learn if you're interested, just out there. But, uh, so I guess I fall in that category. The other day, you might have seen those moments that I, I watched a how-to um, video. Instead of calling somebody in to fix my bathroom, like, how can I fix it? Went to Home Depot, 
you know, that's I want to buy moment, I want to go moment. All these things sometimes combine and overlap. So I want to do is largely about YouTube, but also at search. And uh, 82% of people consult their phone inside a store. Who has a, who has a retail business here? Hands up. And you found people in store, price, you know, price comparing, looking up information. That's a, that's a real thing. We found, we found that... I, I'll use the example of Sephora. Don't ask me why I know so much about Sephora, the, uh, the makeup brand. But they've done a really good thing when they created an app understanding what their consumers needed. And so what they were doing in their store is they were uh, looking up reviews, they were price comparing, and, and they were also trying to remember what they had. So Sephora has this app which has your purchase history and you understand what I bought before. They have comparisons of what they have in store and reviews and it really helped people along understanding that you know, consumers have changed and we're trying to help them with it. So they have a really good strategy um, and it's not out of the realm of possibility. And this is um, a, a local search ad. basically tells you you can shop on a PLA and uh, it'll tell you how far away the store is as well. So that's an I wanted buy moment. So what I'm really trying to, to highlight here is more so on the right-hand side, the unscripted decisions. Like living in a world where it used to be very easy and straightforward, like back in the days of PNG, you would watch a television ad, you would go to the store and people realised an uptick in store traffic was from the TV ad. You would put an ad in the newspaper, you would realise that people go up this day or the next. You would realise from the newspaper ad. That's still possible, but these days there's so many outlets and so many ways you can be found, you can be discovered and you can be advertised that uh, the decision's unscripted because people can jump around from, from one to the other. Um, these days people have a high expectation for, for relevance and a frictionless experience. Um, I'm sure people here know Uber, and part of the reason I think Uber is so successful is it is a frictionless experience. You, they have your credit card. I, I live in New York City, so you know, fumbling around to get your credit card and adding a tip and, and all these things and hailing a taxi, like some of these moments are unnecessary, right? So I, I once again, high expectations and also the immediacy of accent. People expect to be, have things immediately available. Very few people go on the second page of search results. Um, everybody is spending less time in terms of sessions, but expecting to get more out of them. So, so we did some research and data and did them on real people here. And uh, what we have is a, a selection of people we've said, did some ethnographic research, and we said, hey, show us how you use Google. And that sounds ridiculous because billions of people use it, but uh, it's actually created some pretty eye-opening things with this study. So top left... And I think I've memorised these, so give me a score out of eight. A guy named Ben. Maybe I can click it. Yes. Uh, so Ben, he woke up with a swollen eye one morning and went to the eye doctor, and the doctor says, you need contacts, you need to change this. So he went on his phone, he looked up 1-800-CONTACTS, decided he didn't want to buy there and then, went home to his laptop or his desktop computer and, and ordered online there. Next to him we have Mabel, two out of two. She, uh, I think she was showing it off right now. She uh, saw a haircut, one of her favourite celebrities, and searched how to do this haircut. Uh, lo and behold, she did it herself. This is one of the more important ones here. This is Erica on the right. And you see her outside the side of her, her new house. And this is her second house, and her family got bigger. And her and her husband, uh, with their first house and their mortgage, they sat down in the kitchen with their laptops, 
and they and they figured out, okay, these are the mortgage calculator, this is how much we need to do, this is our budget, this is where we can get money from, this is this and the other. She found herself doing this research and stolen moments. So waiting in a line at Starbucks, right? Um, waiting in line, um, waiting for her kids to be picked up from school. All these little moments that added up to the exact same destination, which was uh, a house purchase. Bottom, I mean, middle left, we have Kathy. Uh, so to save some money, Kathy decided she was going to make cappuccinos at home, right? And washing up, the milk throffer broke, and she said, okay, cool. Went online, found one, ordered one. So she took care of it before it even hit her to-do list, right? So she got one from Amazon. But the interesting thing is that her husband, uh, a few weeks later, and I don't know if they buy, like, film, flimsy frothers or, like, they're really aggressive at washing, but they... Uh, <laughs> Um, he looked online and found a store nearby and went and bought from the store. So it's really about um, where people look. Uh, I think this is Malhun on the right. Probably butchered it. Sorry, buddy. Um, had a really bad day at work. And uh, he decided, you know what? I need to go back to school. This is terrible. And I think he actually went to NYU because this is a photo at, um, at Washington Square Park in New York. Uh, and so, you know, in between, like in his, in his lunch break and all these things, he started looking up where am I going to go to school? Can I afford this? Where should I be? And, and found his way to, um, to further education. This one's going to push me. I think it's Nicole. Damn it, Gianni. <laughs> Do know what Gianni was doing. This is sort of going back to the Sephora example. Um, she was in a... In Australia, we call them chemists. What do you call like a, a Wall Street CVS? What do you call that? Drugstore? Pharmacy? Right. She was in there and um, she had something. I think it was a cold sore. Right? And she sees the store brand... And the expensive brand, she's looking at them. She's like, why is one four times more expensive? Usually they're pretty close to each other. And she looked up, she's online, she's figuring out, there are the reviews, this is what I'm looking for. This is not a phone, by the way. I'm just (laughs) trying to highlight. And um, she found out that the one that was four times more expensive was better and worth it for her, and she ended up buying that one, doing the research in store. I'm really struggling with this bottom, bottom row here. Give me a second, it comes to me. I'll just tell you the story. So this is Danielle. She, uh, <laughs> she had a second kid and uh, someone gifted her a stroller. And I don't know what happened to the instructions, but she couldn't figure out how to do it. Looked up a how-to video, found one on YouTube, told her how to set it up. And this is Leaf in the, in the bottom right corner. Leaf and I, I imagine, be good friends. He's a, he's a traveling guy and he ended up in Queens in New York. Uh, turned up at his favorite pizza place. It shut down. Uh, and so from there, he says, best pizza in, I think, Forest Hills. Uh, turned up at somewhere else, really enjoyed it. And, you know, it's one of those things that happened in the moment. Back, I don't know how he would have done it 10 years ago. I've sort of forgotten. But, uh, anyhow, so these are, like, real people and real stories of how people use Google and how you don't actually recognise that you would because it's so ingrained in daily life and, and, uh, and how people operate these days. So... What I'm trying to say is that we're a connector. We're connecting people with the physical world and the digital world. Um, And part of how we do that, actually, so a lot of what I was trying to show is that most moments begin on mobile and they end up elsewhere. And there's a terrible animation I put in here, which is a bit bumbly. There you go. So whether it be like a a tablet, desktop, but the the important ones here are the phone call and in-store. And so I think that's quite important where people had to figure out how to get to where you are, how to contact you, because a lot of people actually want to talk to a real person. That's, uh, that's very important to, to realise, and there, 
there's a certain amount, there's a little bit of effort that goes into making sure that, that Google knows where your store is, that making sure that Google knows what your phone number is, and making sure that Google can see it, um, that people can see it on the, on the first page or early on in their search results. So just a little anatomy of a Google ad. Here we go. So this is understanding the results page. I told you about my, my bathroom thing at Home Depot. This is a screenshot. So the paid results are on top. The organic results uh, are underneath. And the difference is simply in the name. Um, but Google's very careful about the ads that they put on top. They make sure that they're, they're relevant to the user because there's three, there's three parts to it. So that Google wants the user to be happy and seeing relevant results, but we also want the advertisers to be happy and getting people click on their, their ads. So we're trying to keep everybody happy at the same time. So this is actually quite interesting, and you may not have seen this. This is a heat map of seeing where, where people look when they see the Google SERP, Search Engine Results page. Um, and so initially, there's red areas where people are looking or their, their cursor was, and after eight seconds, this is where it is. A lot of on the left-hand side and a lot up the top. So it's very, very important. So what I work with, there's a difference between search engine marketing, which is the ads above, and search engine optimization, which is pushing everything as high as possible for, for free or working with your own websites and information. Um, and so one thing that's very important that you didn't realize most people can do is you can extend the ad with extensions, right? So these are... These are links that are going to help you get to where you want to go. So for me, it was find a store near you. Um, the kitchen and bath event might have been useful as well, um, but 25% off appliance, not so much. And it really helps extend your, your real estate, which increases your chances of being clicked which is what, um, or tapped on, which is what a lot of people are trying to do. So the ranking here, this is a very simplistic version of it, but your ad ranking is a function of how much you want to pay and the thing about it is with Google Ads, you never, first of all, you don't pay if nobody clicks. And secondly, you never pay more than you want to, right? So if you can afford 50 cents or you can afford $5 or 50, you never pay more than that. So it's a function of, function of that. The quality score, how good your website is. I was talking about how we want a good user experience. Google figures out how, how, um, how mobile friendly your website is. And if you search for your own, um, for your own business right now, um, you can see in grey underneath mobile friendly, right? And if it doesn't have it, you're probably going to be searching for a, quite a while because Google's now pushed everything that's mobile friendly, understand that people use their mobile phones a lot, um, up higher organically. And the extension, I mean, add, uh, add extensions impact. That's showing people, that if you have an address, location extensions, these things that are helping people find what they need quickly uh, is something we're going to favour. So, any questions? Here, yes. Yes. That was desktop. Yeah, um, uh, because it followed the the cursor. Imagine people be the same way. I actually had a conversation with somebody at Google, who's fluent in Japanese, and he's a, a developer. And I said, "What would the heat map look like in Japanese?" Because people read from top right down, right? And I was really I was really curious about that, but didn't get an answer. Not that you were going to ask that question, but yes. <laughs> So, yes? Can you speak to um, that case given yeah, so you imagine that a cursor is exactly where your eyes are going, right? Your eyes aren't going to go top right when your cursor is going top left. 
So the idea is that this closely maps where people's eyes are and what they're reading. You know? um, so that's, that's the idea. And one, it's not perfect, but um, it, it definitely shows to, to where people spend their time. Uh, anything else while we're here? No questions? Shirts from Papa Cloth, it's really nice. It's a great place in New York. So this is something I was talking about with somebody else. It said um, an ice cream can promote the fact they sell cappuccinos on a rainy day. There's a store in New York City called Saturdays, which is a surf store. And if you've been in New York in the winter or here in the winter, you realise that a surf store isn't going to do too well from November through to April, right? But they do sell coffee. It's a cafe. So if they're not advertising their their T-shirts for six months a year, they can advertise their um, their flat whites. And so it's really interesting to know that uh, depending on the weather, the date, all these variables, you can show a different message that's more relevant to the people that are reading it. Uh, same sort of thing, you can change things that are, are time-sensitive. Here we've got sales that end in, in one hour. We've got different sizes. And if you, instead of writing a different ad for every product you have, you can um, programmatically do that to show them up. And there's also remarketing, which is a way of saying, hey, we know you're interested. You already clicked on my ad. I know you like purple T-shirts. Here's the purple T-shirt you were looking at. If you're still interested, the offer's still available for you. And even you didn't check it out last time, how about I offer you free shipping or something to try and get people through the digital door or even to your physical store. And it's quite a powerful thing. Um, this is probably the most powerful of all of them. This is called Google My Business. Um, in essence, uh, this is oversimplifying a little bit, it's you telling Google, this is where I work, this is my phone number, uh, and I want to be found in the search results. Put my hand up, right? Uh, that really helps Google see where your business is, send people when they're looking for something near me. It's then categorized. Uh, it's very, very important. So three out of four smartphone users are contacted business they found on their phone. This is no, no surprise to me. And also making it easy to get in touch. Phone, phone number, driving directions. Uh, a lot of people uh, visiting a store within five miles. And it's also one of those things that if, uh, if somebody within like a block of your business is more important to you than somebody's the next town over, you can advertise and you can do what's called bullseye targeting. People joke about my name target and this thing all the time. But you can, you can say, this is more valuable to me. I'm willing to pay more for somebody on my block than I am somebody that's 10 miles away. And that's something that I find very powerful. And I try and ignore the jokes that are made about my last name. Um, and also, it's very important <laughs> just to, to make sure your phone number is correct online. Check it out so that someone is trying to contact you and trying to call you. They're able to do that. Um, it's also being able to put your business hours so people aren't calling you in the middle of the night. Uh, it's very important to to get that you know, digital hygiene uh, correct. So, and this is just a, little, a few stats about the amount of phone calls. All right, I want to talk to you about one thing. I just talked about Google, the number one search engine in the world. To be fair, I'm going to talk about the second biggest search engine. Does anyone know who that is? Oh, come on. <laughs> I want someone to say Yahoo. You've heard this before, right? <laughs> there you go. Joke ruined. Uh, <laughs> I just want to talk about it quickly. This is something... Um, I was thinking about this the other day. I went and stayed with, at a friend's house, at their, their beach house, and their kid was playing Xbox, so there's one big screen, 
he had YouTube open next to him. He was watching somebody play another video game and he was Snapchatting at the same time. Guy has three screens in front of him and I don't know how he oscillated his attention but seemed to do it just okay. Uh, another colleague tells me about his twins that are so used to technology they'll go up to a TV screen and try and like swipe it across. And, you know, <laughs> which is crazy but the idea is that 30% of smartphone users multitask while they're watching TV. I was doing it last night. First of all, I don't have a TV at home. Luckily, I was at a hotel last night to watch the debate. Um, first time in a few months, and I'm now pretty excited to watch that. Was anybody else watching the debate last night, CNN? It had to be more than that, right? Maybe that's proving my point. Um, no, but uh, the Bobby Fisher movie looks pretty good. Beside the point, cord cutters, people that don't have cable... Uh, and even within my, my hotel, they had a Netflix button. It said, here's all the streaming. You can go to YouTube, you can go to Hulu, you can go to Netflix from your hotel, which just used to be TV, which is quite interesting. So there's content that's found exclusively on TV. There's content that's on both. Uh, you found during the Super Bowl that every big, uh, every big company put their ads either on YouTube before or when they were aired at the Super Bowl. Uh, which was pretty cool. Um, and also had somebody from this office come with me to the Super Bowl. I don't know where you are, but hi. <laughs> but there's also content that's exclusively on YouTube, and the neat thing about it is you can put it up there for free. But if you wanted to advertise at the start of the movie, everybody's seen these skippable ads. What you don't know is that you can see five seconds of it for absolute free, and at that time you can choose to engage or not, disengage, so it's... It's, uh, it's inviting people to look at your content. So at five seconds, even 10, 15 seconds, it's free for somebody to watch. They're free impressions that you wouldn't get on TV. Every, every ad you put on TV, you're paying for in some way, shape or form, which we think is great. And you're only going to get people that are engaged and, and want to watch what you have to, to offer. And start with that. People are 75 more engaged than when they're forced to watch an ad. Um, so people aren't like oscillating between between screens are like here it's okay i'm only watching five seconds skip or actually that's quite interesting i don't know why i keep talking to this thing i should bring my phone up <laughs> uh, that's more interesting i i'd like to be watched thanks for inviting me so what i was talking about before is that with tv it's very difficult these days it's very difficult to figure out how consumer behavior drives it do they find it from tv do they find it from newspaper do they find it online we're not kind of sure the online side of it uh is very easy well not <laughs> excuse me is possible now. I wouldn't call it easy. Uh, when I was in college quite a long time ago, one of my ancient teachers, he was like 80, would say this quote all the time. So half the money I spend in advertising is wasted. The trouble is I don't know one half. Um, so this guy was the founder of um, modern marketing. He's John Wanamaker. Anybody heard that quote before? So the idea with attribution in Google Analytics, which everybody here um, at MLive is, is qualified to use, they, the idea is that you know where your money is going and how it's returning in an, um, its ROI. I don't know what this square around it is. It's supposed to be Avinash. He says this is the R uh, uh, analytics guru. He's like the best within Google. He has his own blog. But he says, we're using the same metrics to measure your business a year from now. Something's wrong with your business or your metrics. And saying it's so possible to, uh, to, to backtrack where the traffic came from and understand how people are using your ads, your, your search, even you know, your Facebook, your social, all these things, uh, that it's important to be able to know how to do that or at least work with somebody who does. The example down the bottom I have is that you know, a search path might go from engine noise to car clunking to re transmission repair. 
uh, near me. Or in, in the case of something like a longer purchase cycle, like a, a car, there's a lot of people that would cross shop, right? They would start with Ford Focus and then end up with you know, different brands and, and do all this. And most of that comes from a phone. Uh, and, it's, and it's really interesting. We did a, we did a study I can share with people uh, on, uh, on, uh, on how people consider brands. And you know, car dealers used to get uh, five dealership visits back in 2007, eight, something like that, five. And these days it's 1.7, right? So people are still researching, but they're doing less in person. They're doing it all, well, most of it online. So I'm going to answer questions about that later. But uh, analytics and attribution just helps you figure out how people are getting to your store, how people are getting to your site, how people are getting to your phone. And, and that's quite powerful because from there you can walk the information back and say, you know what, this ad's working really well for me. I'm wasting money here. I want to put more money there or you know, um, optimize what I'm doing um, on this channel. And I'm always reminded of this. This is my favorite soccer team. They're the best in the world right now, FC Barcelona. And it's not always about, um, not always about conversions, which would be the top goal scorer, Lionel Messi. These guys are three forwards. It's also about assists, right? It's not just about the last click, which is... Point. Remember people back in the day with old desktop sites, it used to be like, this many people visited the site, like 1,000 had this little ticker down the bottom. So not relevant anymore. The idea is that it's how people, how people got there, whether it be through a display click, a search click, a social ad, YouTube, any of these things, you're trying to figure out how, um, how that came about. And so it's important to understand how each channel works. This is... Uh, this is uh, I'm trying to think of the best word for it. This is this is no. Oh my god! You recording this? Yes, too. <laughs> <laughs> this is no one account in particular. I'm just trying to show the difference between an assist and a conversion, right? And some assists built into conversion, so it's important to have a comprehensive strategy. I'm not going to stay up here and say Google's the only thing for you. It's important to have everything you know i i travel a lot and uh there's the idea about like reputation management i travel a lot and if i go to a hotel i don't care if i still say it i usually say it spg hotels i don't care if it's a part of the chain of my loyalty i'll always look at the place i'm going to to make sure there's no bed bugs or like terrible people or anything like that so it's important to to figure out a lot of these things online and you know social media it's just about how and why people find you and so it's not just assists and conversions but it's also about retaining your customers. Um, there's Avinash, that guy I spoke about earlier, talks about uh, C, which is your largeable addressable audience. Uh, think, which is a largeable addressable audience that are interested in what you have to do. Do, which is then going to be people who are interested in buying right then and there. And most marketing is covered there, but what he has afterwards is something called care. And the idea being it's a lot easier a lot easier to keep a customer than it is to find one. And this is where, you know, direct and paid search and social media and all these things are and also about caring for your existing customers. And that's very important to think about too. So we're at the end here. Uh, a lot of content. I screwed up at least five times if anyone was counting. But uh, happy to ask us some questions. We're, uh, we're at the end. These questions can also be answered of the the friends that you have are from M Live in the room, but anything you want to ask about me specifically?
Yeah, I understand that. Um, so we have something called deep linking, which is understanding what's going on between apps, and that's totally possible. We have search ads within Google Play, which is where most of the apps are discovered. Uh, so I don't think that's necessarily true. That's evolving over time. And yes, years ago, um, I actually have a pretty... You know what? I'm going to watch this video. It's sort of on point of how things have changed over time and how Google has. And this got released when, uh, when the new logo came up. So if I don't answer this question, I think this is it. So to answer your question a bit more comprehensively, apps are a great idea, especially for the, the care portion. Uh, when you think about um, see, think, do, and care, if you have an app for service, right, if you have an app for your customer, it's very important to be able to say, look, they've had their car for seven years, they're due for an upgrade, but we know that they have... What, what car dealership do you work with? Everything. Okay, well, say it's a, a Chevy, right? Yeah, exactly. You can say, you know, you've, you've had this car, you're happy with it, you can either upgrade to this or, um, or get it again. So it's very important to know, you know scheduled maintenance, all these things, the apps, and not just about purchases, right? It's sometimes about caring. So the example I use, I fly Delta a lot, um, I have a Delta app, and if, they, if their metric, I was talking, coming about changing metrics, right, if their metric was just about how much money they made from the app, they would come up as a big goose egg for me because I've never bought a flight on my app, but I use it to check in. I use it to find out information, and it's very, very useful to me. So it's a matter of you know, what your metrics are, and they don't always have to have a dollar sign in front of them. You know, if you retain a customer, obviously you know, it doesn't get shown through the app, but it's actually good for your bottom line. Does that make sense? Pardon? It's about having a, a comprehensive strategy. I'd be disingenuous if I came up here and said search ads are the only things you need to worry about ever. It's, it's about more than that. This is why we like working with MLive is because they offer more than we can and they understand your business better than I do personally. How's that for a plug? Okay. <laughs> Anybody from the company want to come up and, and do your spiel now? Kind of it, yes. Yeah, and that was just illustrative, but I can, of course, do that. Nope. Oh, well, well, ah. Maybe I can't. This is very cool, by the way. Have anyone ever used Google Photos? That's Hal Varian. That's the reason I got the job at Google, is watching hours of his videos. So this one right here. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd have to understand your business, but I would do a little bit of guesswork, right? Maybe not everybody knows about your nonprofit, right? So if you had a display ad that's shown on, on MLive or around the internet, someone might see it that has not necessarily searched for it. And from there, if they see that display advertising, which is just a picture on some content, right, or, or animated, they can either, you know, search or, you know, they can sign up for an email or something like that, and that's more of a conversion, right? So the assist would be the display click or the display, just seeing the display ad, then into something that is a bit further down the funnel, Right, and then once you either you have their email address, uh, you know you can use email as, you know, email should be a little bit over here, but you can use that to retain customers and just keep them, give them 
content that's free for you, right? You can send it out to everybody. Um, the idea is they can subscribe to your YouTube channel and when they sign into YouTube, they see something you've created from your nonprofit. Um, and, and the, you know, the rest of them work really well on social media. It's quite obvious once they've, once they've followed you or they find you, you can constantly retain your customers or at least keep them close and, and have them feel more personally connected to you. Does that make sense? Cool. No problems. Yes. Yeah, I, we do, but I don't remember. It's, it's a very, very small number. Um, and I would love to tell you what that number is, but I'm not a search engine. I know how to use it. I can tell you in a second. <laughs> um, but there's a very, very small m- number of people that do it. I think 72% of... I think, if I'm correct, 72% say it's important and only 37% actually do it. So, actually, you know what? I'll get back to you on that. If I can... Just cover up this for a second. You didn't see this, all right? This didn't happen. How are my questions? It's in here somewhere. So much more content if you guys want to keep going. I'm having fun. See why it's hard for me to remember all this? Anybody want to ask another question while I'm fumbling for the sixth time today? Here we are. 31% are really using attribution. 31, 37. So, yeah, not, not a lot. Um, and it is so powerful to understand where your dollars are going um, and being able to you know, cut something that isn't working and really fund something that is working for you. Sorry about that. That wasn't a question? Having a drink? Um, to my left. A big impact in terms of who? Um, just for people that may not be on mobile or even for websites not mobile. Is it a big impact to people? I, uh, so, I, as I said, I work with search engine marketing and not search engine optimization. And mobile getting was your word, not mine. But what I find that when I search is that, um, and you can do this now on your phone, right? If you search for like pizza near me or something, right? You're going to have a lot of ads and a lot of um, and a lot of organic traffic that in this little grey it says mobile friendly, mobile friendly, mobile friendly, and they're the things that Google is promoting and will continue to promote. And our friends at Bing copied us a few months later. Surprise, surprise. So you know, <laughs> and the same thing on YouTube is mobile friendly. So the, I, I'm I'm guessing, and I don't have stats to back it up, but yes, it's a, a big difference because our shift towards mobile is is huge. Um, a lot of time, yeah. So if, so if you search for... I don't know why I'm coming up with nothing. There's trillions of searches. What's your business? I work on Oh. <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> so if you, if you look up Michigan News, for example, uh, the social presence within Google searches, one of the first few things that come up is a Twitter feed. Right, and so if what you're looking for search matches a, a Twitter post, that's going to come up very close to the top and link you to Twitter or just see the the post. So it's very important. And yes, there's there's a there's search engine optimization tactics that include 
social media and you know getting results on Yelp, which are fairly high up and and whatnot. So there's there's other strategies. If your if your business isn't at the top, you can pay or use social media. There's all these ways that not everything is going to cost you money. It's just about having that comprehensive strategy and working with experts that understand that comprehensive strategy. Yes. Yes. I don't know the specifics of your <laughs> rejection. I hate rejection too. I really do. What's very nice things about my company that I yeah. wanted to include in my search results. Yes. And Okay. I, I'm not sure. I mean I guess it works both ways as well. Like people use Instagram and you're trying to uh, incorporate a link within the comments you can't do it but guess what you can pay for it right and I, I think it's just people it, there's a lot about traffic and you know Facebook works by keeping people in their apps as long as possible um, and Google actually works the inverse of trying to get people off the Google search page as quickly as possible um, you know when you search it says this took this many this many results in this many seconds the idea is to get people off as quickly as possible. So I don't know the specifics of your, your case. I'm happy to chat about it, especially with someone that you work with here. Uh, but thanks for putting me on the spot. <laughs> there it is, the spot. <laughs> Any other tough questions? Give me something easy, come on. All right, I have an easy one. Where? Hi. We're not still recording, are we? Like, <laughs> I think I get the right to edit this. Uh, it's a really great question. <laughs> uh, they, they all work with each other. Actually, getting a job at Google was probably the hardest of the lot. It took lots and lots of hours. In a, and uh, So it was eight interviews. Does everybody know how, how Google works in terms of interviewing? Some people find this quite fascinating. So long story short, um, I get through to my, my first interview. There's eight in total, right? And everybody's judging you by the exact same metrics, right? So what they are is presence, leadership, Googliness, which is another word for like cultural fit, um, role-related knowledge, and uh, general cognitive ability. And so those last two are very, very tough, like trying to figure out how smart somebody is in an hour, trying to figure out how much they know about AdWords and, and Google as a whole in an hour is very, very tough. So everybody asks similar questions and trying to fill out the exact same scorecard on the same person. And I will do. I did interviews with people the same level, did interviews with my boss and her boss and her boss as well, um, and cross-functional interviews where I'd be interviewing with an engineer who doesn't know a lot about the business side but actually knows how to ask questions about how smart you are. Um, so eight hour long interviews was a, a really tough thing and I got asked questions that they've sort of gone away from but about general cognitive ability but back in the day it was quite famous I don't know if anyone's been to San Francisco driving to Silicon Valley a lot of billboards and one of the billboards was a big math equation and the answer was you're smart enough to call Google right and it was this really complicated equation. I hope it didn't cause many car accidents, but the idea, like the, the answer was the phone number to call the recruiting agent at Google, which is quite cool. 
Um, so the answer is that's the hardest one. I'm not saying the others are easy. The male model thing's a bit of a joke. <laughs> you can quote me on that. Uh, but yeah, turning red, thanks. Again. Yes. This, that, that does make it difficult. Um, Google Analytics, do you use that? A lot. A lot. Okay. I, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there is an app that came out yesterday called Primer, um, and there's lessons from Avanash, there's lessons from internal Google Teams. It's free. I, I know it's on Android and iOS, uh, P-R-I-M-E-R, in case you can't understand my accent. Uh, and it's got lots and lots of lessons on that, and I don't really think it's going to have your answer in there because I understand that's, I mean, it's, it's complicated. It's hard to do when you have a small data set. Um, the recommendation should be in there. And if not, there's a lot of lessons to, to keep your understanding and to use the tool more powerfully. Great. Thank you. I'll check that out. Cool. Yes? Yeah, absolutely. So when people use paid and organic together, you see like an 88% lift in incremental clicks. So the idea is that you know, some people just don't ever click on ads, right? And some people only click on ads because it's the first thing that comes up. It's important to be seen both ways. And, you know, within our, like, larger clients where, you know, like a Samsung or whatnot, where everyone talks about owning the SERP, owning the search and results page. And that's just about increasing your real estate and understanding that people don't spend a lot of time down the bottom below the fold, just like a newspaper, right? They don't spend as much time in the second and third page. So it's important to get as much real estate, as much visibility, as much information as you can, um, as high up as possible. Come on, you can do better than that. That's it? Well, guys, thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. My first time in Grand Rapids. I love it. Um, hopefully I can come back one day and, and feel free to come up and, and ask me questions, not about male modeling, but anything about <laughs> Google and, and even my swimming career is okay. So thank you so much. One more time for Matthew. All right, um, there is, is still some food available if you want some. If this is your first time in the space and you want a tour, find one of us. We're more than happy to show you around. And other than that, have a wonderful day, uh, and we'll see you back here next month for Mornings at MLive. Take care.